Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Monday, December 26th. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine in the land. Not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11, and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is twenty minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we begin a new Torah portion, Vayigash, and it means, And he drew near. Genesis 44, 31-45, 7 Now if I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, since his own life is so bound up with his, when he sees that the boy is not with us, he will die, and your servants will send the white head of your servant our father down to Sheol in grief. Now your servant has pledged himself for the boy to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, I shall stand guilty before my father forever. Therefore, please let your servant remain as a slave to my lord instead of the boy, and let the boy go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father unless the boy is with me? Let me not be witness to the woe that would overtake my father. Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone withdraw from me. So there was no one else about when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. His sobs were so loud that the Egyptians could hear, and so the news reached Pharaoh's palace. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still well? But his brothers could not answer him, so dumbfounded were they on account of him. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come forward to me. And when they came forward, he said, I am your brother Joseph, he whom you sold into Egypt. Now do not be distressed or reproach yourselves because you sold me hither. It was to save life that Hashem sent me ahead of you. It is now two years that there has been famine in the land, and there are still five years to come, in which there shall be no yield from tilling. 
Hashem has sent me ahead of you to ensure your survival on earth and to save your lives in an extraordinary deliverance. Zechariah 9, 1-17 A Pronouncement The Word of Hashem He will reside in the land of Hadrach and Damascus, for all men's eyes will turn to Hashem, like all the tribes of Israel, including Haman, which borders on it, and Tyre and Sidon, though they are very wise. Tyre has built herself a fortress. She has amassed silver like dust and gold like the mud in the streets. But my Lord will impoverish her. He will defeat her forces at sea, and she herself shall be consumed by fire. Ashkelon shall see it and be frightened. Gaza shall tremble violently, and Ekron at the collapse of her hopes. Kingship will vanish from Gaza, Ashkelon, and shall be without inhabitants and a mongrel people shall settle in Ashdod. I will uproot the grandeur of Philistia, but I will clean out the blood from its mouth and the detestable things from between its teeth. Its survivors too shall belong to our God. They shall become like a clan in Yehuda, and Ekron shall be like the Jebusites. And I will encamp in my house against armies, against any that come and go, and no oppressor shall ever overrun them again. For I have now taken note with my own eyes. Rejoice greatly, fair Zion. Raise a shout, fair Jerusalem. Lo, your king is coming to you. He is victorious, triumphant, yet humble, riding on a donkey, on a donkey fold, by a she-donkey. He shall banish chariots from Ephraim and horses from Jerusalem. The warrior's bow shall be banished. He shall call on the nations to surrender, and his rule shall extend from sea to sea and from ocean to land's end. You, for your part, have released your prisoners from the dry pit for the sake of the blood of your covenant, saying, Return to Bizaron, you prisoners of hope. In return, I announce this day, I will repay you double. For I have drawn Yehuda taut and applied my hand to Ephraim as a bow, and I will arouse your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and make you like a warrior's sword. And Hashem will manifest himself to them, and his arrow shall flash like lightning. My Hashem shall sound the shofar and advance in a stormy tempest. The Lord of hosts will protect them. His slingstone shall devour and conquer. They shall drink and shall rage as with wine and be filled with it like a dashing bowl, like the comers of an altar. Hashem, their God, shall prosper them on that day. He shall pasture his people like sheep. They shall be like crown jewels glittering on his soil. How lovely, how beautiful they shall be, producing young men like new grain, young women like new wine. Revelation 17 
1 to 18. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials, and talked with me, John, saying to me, Come hither, I will show to you the judgment of the great whore that sits upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of the names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Yeshua. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And the angel said to me, Wherefore did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and ten horns. The beast that you saw was, and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder, whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was, and is not, and yet is. And here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. And there are seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth, and is of the seven, and goes into perdition. And the ten horns which you saw are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind, and shall give their power and strength to the beast. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. And he said to me, The waters which you saw, where the whore sits, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And the ten horns which you saw upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put in their hearts to fulfill his will, and to agree and give their kingdom to the beast, until the words of God shall be fulfilled. And the woman which you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Psalm 145, 1-21 
I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day will I bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of your majesty, and of your wondrous works. And men shall speak of the might of your terrible acts, and I will declare your greatness. They shall abundantly utter the memory of your great goodness, and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of the kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord upholds all that fall and raises up all those that be bowed down. The eyes of all wait upon these, and you give them their meat in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. The Lord is near to all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. The Lord preserves all them that love him, but all the wicked will he destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Proverbs thirty thirty two. If you have done foolishly in lifting up yourself, or if you have thought evil, lay your hand upon your mouth. Four, three, two, one. I want to speak to you today from Genesis chapter 45, and then we're going to jump into Zechariah chapter 9. So, in this section that we read today in Genesis, we're seeing Joseph reveal himself to his brothers. And he is explaining to them so that they won't be afraid of him. Um, what's really going on here. So Joseph has a deep understanding of the sovereignty of God, that God orchestrates the circumstances in our lives. We are not victims. We're not the victims of chance or of bad luck, but that God orchestrates all things in our lives and that all things eventually work together for good for those who are called by God according to his purpose. So he reveals himself to his brothers. He has all the attendants leave the room. But in order to allay their fears, he explains how the hand of God is in the midst of all of this. So 
let me just start in verse 5, chapter 45, verse 5. And Joseph is speaking to his brothers, and he says, Now, do not be distressed or reproach yourselves because you sold me hither. Now, here's where he states God's purpose. It was to save life that Hashem sent me ahead of you. It is now two years that there has been famine in the land, and there are still five years to come in which there shall be no yield from tilling. How does he know this? Because of the dream of the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh had the dream of about the seven years, and only two years have had famine, so there's five more years to go. Verse 7, Hashem has sent me ahead of you to ensure your survival on earth and to save your lives in an extraordinary deliverance. So, Joseph clearly sees this, that he's not a victim, you know, that his brothers hated him and left him in the pit and then sold him into slavery and woe is me and poor me. But he sees God's hand in all of it, that God had a purpose in sending him to Egypt, and it had to be this way. The Israel Bible commentary to that verse, verse 7, reads as follows. To allay his brother's fears that he will take revenge for selling him into slavery, Joseph observes that their actions were part of the divine plan and will undoubtedly bring great salvation. The short-term benefit is already clear in that due to his position, Joseph will be able to save his family and the entire region from the famine, which has just begun. Further, in the great scheme of history, the sale of Joseph brought the entire family down to Egypt, thus beginning the fulfillment of God's promise that Abraham's descendants will be strangers in a strange land. It follows that after the period of enslavement in Egypt specified by the prophecy, they will merit a great deliverance and ultimately return to the promised land. So, this is a wonderful way of wrapping your mind around the circumstances in your life. That things do not happen by chance or by accident, um, but that God has an overall great plan. And even when we go through suffering or reversal or great trial, that there is purpose in it. And though we may not understand or perceive or discern what that purpose is until later, God does have divine purpose in the things that we go through. And so there's comfort in that, knowing that I can trust him. He will bring me through this. Okay, I want to jump into Zechariah chapter 9. And I want to look at verse 9. Rejoice greatly, fair Zion. Raise a shout, fair Jerusalem. Lo, your king is coming to you. He is victorious and triumphant, yet humble, riding on a donkey, on a donkey fold by a she-donkey. This is a reference, a remez hint of Yeshua in his first coming. When he came into Jerusalem during those final days of his life, he rode a donkey, and he came in in a very humble fashion. But when he returns in his second coming, he will come as a mighty warrior, and he will be dealing with 
the enemies of God's people. So that verse is a direct reference pointing us to Yeshua, our Messiah. Another verse I want to look at is verse 13, Zechariah 9, verse 13. For I have drawn Yehuda taut, and I applied my hand to Ephraim as to a bow, and I will arouse your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and make you like a warrior's sword. And Hashem will manifest himself to them, and his arrow shall flash like lightning. My Hashem shall sound the shofar and advance in a stormy tempest. The Lord of hosts, Yahweh Saviot, will protect them. His slingstones shall devour and conquer. They shall drink and shall rage as with wine, and be filled with it like a dashing bull, like the corners of an altar. Here we see a battle that is unfolding, and it's future prophetic, and it's against two groups of people, the sons of Zion versus the sons of Greece. So who are these two groups of people? The sons of Zion, I would say, are all twelve tribes. So he mentions specifically Yehuda, that's the southern kingdom, the Jews. And he also mentions Ephraim, that would be the non Jews, the ten tribes of the north. So Judah are the arrows, Ephraim is the bow. Now think about it. A bow and arrow is a mighty and a powerful weapon. But if you have arrows and no bow, you can't shoot the arrows. And if you have a bow with no arrows, you don't have uh, anything to shoot. You need both of those things to come together to have a powerful weapon. So this is a picture of the northern and southern kingdom, Judah and Ephraim, coming together, working together, uniting together against a common enemy in the end times. And together they are called the sons of Zion. So that, I believe, Zion is the end time nation that will one day be birthed and born, will be born. And and that's described in greater detail in Revelation chapter 12, the woman who's pregnant with child, and then she goes to a place that's prepared for her by the father, where she's nurtured and taken care of for 1260 days. So the sons of Zion, that's going to include Judah, the Jews, and Ephraim, the non-Jews, unite together and they are called the sons of Zion, and they are fighting against the sons of Greece. Now who are the sons of Greece? The sons of Greece, I believe, they have their root in Esau. Esau, when he fled and left his family, lived in the mountains, and he established a dynasty, a kingdom. He established tribal leaders up in the mountains, uh, Mount Seir. And from there, it gave rise to, much later, Amalek, to Haman, and then on to Greece, and Rome. And you can see the influence of even the very architecture. When you go to Petra in Jordan, you see columns that have been carved out of stone, and the columns look like the White House 
columns. That very architectural structure of pillars or columns in the front of buildings came originally from Esau and his descendants. And that architecture, you can see it clearly in Greece and in Rome, that they loved to have buildings that had these pillars, these columns. So the whole mindset, the culture of Esau was infused in the Greek culture. And in the end times, this Greek mindset, um, I would say today that is manifested as your deep state globalists, the cabal that see themselves as the elitists, and they want to depopulate the earth and get the population down to a much lower number, and then they are the elites, and those that survive are their slaves, and they're implementing their hundred-year plan as we speak. So it's the sons of Zion fighting against the sons of Greece. And it's a cultural war. It is an ideological war. It is a spiritual war. Um, in some places in the world, like in Russia and Ukraine, it's an actual military war, a hot war, with military weapons and people fleeing for their lives. So that's a beautiful picture, though, of the sons of Zion uniting together against a common enemy. And that's what I long to see, is more and more of the Jews and Christians coming together, uniting against their common enemy, because the co their common enemy wants to wipe out the people of faith, first those who keep the Sabbath, and then those who keep the Sunday. They hate God. The sons of Greece hate God. And so anyone who loves God is their enemy. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give us discernment in these days, and you give us understanding that we are in a spiritual war, and there have been casualties of this war. It's not just a spiritual war. It's a media war, an information war, a cultural war, and the enemy has fed so many lies, and the lies have caused people to die. So, Father, we pray that you will help us to be warriors that stay awake and alert up on the wall, that you fill us with your truth, you lead us with your truth, you lead us with Yeshua, who is the captain of the Lord of hosts, Yahweh Savayot, and that you will help us to fight and to win this war as we look to you and depend upon you. May we unite with Brother Judah, being the sons of Zion. And may we see you accomplish a great victory and a great deliverance and a great redemption. We ask it in Yeshua's name. Amen.